listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Cut City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Duckett. You can find me on Space City Scoop, um, where I'm a site expert and editor, and on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. And I'm your second host, Britt, co-host of Step Back Sisterhood and contributor at Cut City Control Room. You can find me on Twitter at Britt Robotista. Be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR. And if you appreciate the podcast, do us a favor and subscribe using the button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Okay, Britt. So on this particular uh, show, we've got quite a bit to talk about from our takeaways from the Dallas Mavericks game tonight. The first segment, I would like to discuss kind of some of the officiating because that was certainly an issue (laughs) (laughs) in this game. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. turning into Reggie Miller uh, and Ray Ray Allen combined whenever he plays us. And then some of the promising signs we've seen from Jay Sean Tate. Um, But first, I'd like to start off with the officiating. What were some of your takeaways and or thoughts uh, there tonight? I guess the one thing is that I knew that DeMarcus Cousins was eventually going to get booted from a game (laughs) and um, it didn't help that this officiating crew quite frankly was pretty terrible. I I don't think it necessarily factored into the final score per se, but losing, you know, um, we'll talk about a little bit later house um, losing him before the game and then losing one of your other, you know, backup bigs in cousins, relatively early in the game didn't help with the Rockets trying to complete, you know, compete against a, you know, I guess a Dallas team that definitely was smarting from their loss the night before. Yeah. I mean, so that, that was, you know, some of my, my thoughts as well, the technical fouls, they were just passing those around. <laughs> I know oh, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, there was a frequent two or was there, or there was a frequent yeah. one, too, if that makes sense. Right, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I mean, the, the I feel like the the officiating crew was way too, uh, I think it was Goble, Goble was like the main the main guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were just way too um, sensitive, you know, you gotta allow these guys to, I mean, the, the technical on Boogie, well, the ejection on Boogie was, was stupid, especially the second tech they called on him. I mean, he didn't even do anything, you know. I mean, what he did was basically say, you know, hey guys, you know, you guys you know, call a foul. We see that like every night from, I mean, role players, star players, that's a regular occurrence. So it's kind of weird that they gave him a tech for that. Harden got a tech um, during a free throw, which I thought was odd because I, I didn't see him uh, being demonstrative or I didn't see, you know, it, it didn't look like he got in the referee's face. I mean, you never know what these guys are saying, mm-hmm. but I just thought that, you know, some of that was a little over the top. Um, but 
you know, we're kind of used to that when we're as Rockets fans. That's usually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that usually happens. I mean, I mean, you'd have thought it was Scott Foster out there tonight. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I think the one thing that the referee or officiating crews have to do every season, and it's like a point of emphasis, is to isolate you know certain plays or certain issues that the league has determined and the um, NBA referees association has determined our points of emphasis and since there was a you know very shortened preseason even more so than even last year where they shortened it um, because of the time you know the timing for the season to start I feel like those, you know, usually ticky tacky type of calls that sort of get more lenient as the season goes on has extended to, you know, much further into the regular season as people usually see. Um, In this case, this was like pretty bad. I'm not necessarily trying to condone or, you know, what they did tonight, but at the same time, it it is a regular occurrence that they go ahead and make those calls, but it, it's definitely a frustrating thing to see, especially when it impacts your team so severely. Yeah, I mean, um, and we'll, we'll we'll get into it a little bit later, but you know, not having Boogie out there, I mean, that definitely, you know, Boogie's not a defender, so he wouldn't have prevented, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. from going off, but. Our offense did get a little stagnant. I thought in this game we reverted back to a lot of the Mike D'Antoni era of just chucking threes when they weren't falling, I felt like. And we were dominated on the rebounds, which I think that's an area that Boogie could have helped us um, tonight. But one of those points was that Tim Hardaway Jr. turned into the second coming of Jesus Shuttlesworth. (laughs) 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 Why is it that whenever that guy plays – I mean, does he love playing us or what? (laughs) I don't – it's – ridiculous to be honest he I mean I remember last season both times that the Rockets played the Mavs and he like torched us like one of it was a loss and then the yeah I guess they only played them two times if I recall because of the pandemic they weren't able to play their full series but the two that I remember before the bubble happened like he literally shot the Rockets out of the court, you know, out of the stadium. And the second time, you know, he, it wasn't really impacting because the Rockets, you know, basically ran the Mavericks out of the water. So it just, I guess it is what it is when it comes to Hardaway Jr. Um, Watch us tomorrow or whenever the Mavericks play next time. I know they just had a back-to-back. I haven't looked at their upcoming schedule, but their next game, he'll probably have a 6 of 20 game or something silly like that. That always tends to happen with these players (laughs) who um, blow up the Rockets with a ton of, you know, with the, you know, career or near career highs yeah yeah that happened to uh, the cj mccollum earlier he had 44 against us and he went six of 17 the very next game you know it's like uh that's just kind of part of the course i guess but i mean tim harder we had 30 points in 31 minutes on 11 of 14 i mean 14 shots to get 30 points is crazy eight of 10 from three i mean uh, that that was easily his season high i I don't know if it's his career high but I'm sure when he plays this again, whenever that is this season, he'll probably have another season high because <laughs> yeah. that's just kind of kind of what happens. But, I mean, he just said he was just hitting – I mean, he was making some tough shots too, I felt like. Yeah, that the second-to-last one that he made, like before um, – right before the um, Silas pulled 
the um you know the starters more or less that yeah. step back that was oh my gosh that was <laughs> like I was like, ugh. That was basically the dagger. I mean, I, I guess the dagger probably happened a few minutes before that, but I felt like that really sealed the fate of the game, um, and yep. sort of like, sort of sealed like the our sort of summarized the entire game in one yep. shot uh, in yeah. one shot. And then I feel like his shots were always like momentum killers. It was always after we would go on a run or get a big bucket or another, and he just flinging it, you know, lighting it up. And it's like, okay, I mean, we're not going to come back in this game. He just keeps on, you know, lighting daggers, you know. Yep. I think it was like when we were like 85, 85, I think that was the tie, the only tie that we really had. Um, And then he started to make more shots, him and Cleaver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like whatever we tried to do on him, I mean, it just wasn't enough. And, the unfortunate part is that there are some nights where the Rockets, I think this Rockets team has some pretty good shooters um, on nights where we had our shooters that were making, you know, hitting threes and it's his, you know, eight for 10 from deep wouldn't have been as painful, but tonight the Rockets did not do that. I mean, uh, I think what, what was the official stat line? The Rockets went um, uh, 11 for 40 from three. Mm. So, I mean, 27 and a half percent. I mean, if we they shot forty one percent from deep tonight, if we we're if we were shooting, I mean, let's just say thirty six percent from three, you know, we would have had much better chance uh, in general. Also, to counter Tim Hardaway's you know explosion, but on a night like that where you're not making threes and you're allowing him in particular to go off, I mean, it'd have been one thing if it was Luca, you know, and we'll get into the, Luca's performance a little bit later. But I mean, Tim Hardaway came off the bench and gave him thirty. You know? For sure. And I mean, it just stinks that, um, you know, Sterling Brown, he had one really good shot, but he was not, you know, he, for whatever reason, he was off tonight. It was basically like almost everyone, including Harden, was off on yeah. their shooting. And when that happens, there's little to no chance to compete against another team unless they're having just as bad of a shooting night. And of course, that didn't happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it wasn't all bad, though. I mean, th- th- there was a bright spot. Uh, Jay Sean Tate has continued to impress, um, continued to be one of the many good moves, uh, especially underrated moves from Raphael Stone this past offseason. Uh, I know you've been really high on him. Um, what are some of your thoughts on him? I I feel like every time that we watch him he shows a new development to his game that is going to help the team in the long run um maybe this is hyperbole and it is it is a heart a high standard to say but um in our chat you know before or during the game I was saying that he reminds me of Sam Cassell and I said that last year about house and then house like did that stuff in the bubble yeah. so maybe i should have <laughs> mishap. Waited. He, he called it a mishap yes the mishap in the bubble <laughs> um but maybe i should avoid using that but i really am very excited about tate and how he is developing on both the offensive end and defensive end he essentially when the rockets were down what double digits like i think it was like 15 plus um yeah. in the third he brought you know he literally um, woke up the team and yeah. got them to, you know, the closest um, deficit um, slash tie as, as the team was, you know, for the entire game. So yeah. for him to do that, you know, basically on his own, when Harden was struggling, when almost everyone was struggling, I think that 
shows that he has, you know, the potential to really be someone off the bench or if he eventually gets to the starting lineup, um, a major contributor for the team. Yeah, I mean, Jay Sean Tate is, I mean, he's hustle. You know, the last game he impressed me because he had, I mean, he was tied for, for the most. No, not not the last game. It was just, This was the first game against Sacramento. Um, and that's a different game. I know we talked about that game that day. But just the, the whole idea that, you know, he, he's got an ever-charging motor. I mean, he's all hustle. He's crashing the glass. Uh, we see him fighting for loose balls. He plays great defense. He's, he's locked down some of the better, you know, scorers, you know, in, in the league. Uh, the one question, well, not question, but the one thing we've always kind of said is, man, if he develops a jump shot, you know, that's going to be dangerous. Um, and tonight, you know, he he, um, he went three for six from, from the field. Uh, he, he made the only three-pointer that he attempted. Um, 8.6 rebounds in 24 minutes. You know, um, again, those are the kind of performances from, from Tate that we have actually been seeing regularly this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, look out, especially PJ Tucker. You know, we'll get into that too. But he hasn't necessarily been playing as great, and and or whenever we get back house or whatever the case. I mean, there's a really legitimate argument for Tate to be in the starting lineup. I definitely agree with you. How if Tate can continue to show development, and you know, he's of course scoring at this point more than Tucker is and he's showing that hustle on defense I think he should be strongly considered to you know start up in the you know be in the starting lineup or at the very least get you know significantly more minutes than he is getting right now yeah for sure well all right well that's going to do it for our first segment um speaking of which when we return we're going to be discussing a little bit more about uh, P.J. Tucker, uh, Eric Gordon, whether those should be trade, you know, whether it's time to trade now for them. Uh, a little bit more into the Luka versus Harden uh, duel tonight. And uh, also talking a little bit about Harden's health because, I mean, he had an ankle, you know, late, late scratch the last game. You know, we didn't seem to be fully healthy tonight. So we'll get into more of that as well. So stay tuned. And we're back here at the Launchpad, presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you're liking what you're listening to, please consider subscribing as well as giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would appreciate it. So as Anthony mentioned in the last segment, we have a couple of more negative things to discuss when it comes to the Rockets and their um, latest defeat that they sustained versus the Mavericks tonight. I I think the first thing that I definitely want to talk about in this segment is Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker. There has been a lot of discussion on Twitter and elsewhere, especially the last couple of weeks um, or not the last couple of weeks, but definitely the last couple of days when it comes to our games, when it comes to PJ Tucker, Eric garden is more than a couple of weeks at this point. Um, when it (laughs) comes to trade. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, if it's time to trade them, um, when it comes to Tucker, I've been sort of ignoring that sort of sentiment, but I, I think tonight has been like one of the first nights when I'm like, uh, it may be time to make some changes, maybe not necessarily a trade. Um, when it comes to Gordon, I have some thoughts about that. But before I say them, um, what are you? What are your thoughts about it, Anthony? So the thing about Gordon is the guy is so frustrating um, because when he's in a slump, you know, we'll start kind of dogging him out or kind of you know uh, critiquing him, and then all of a sudden he'll start making them, you know. Right. 
And then once you start to get, you know, a little bit more confident in him, he'll start going back to his, you know, um, chucking and and not, you know, not making. And the thing about Gordon that that gets for, and he played tonight, he, you know, his, his shot, he went four of 10 from three, 40%, um, five of 12 from the, from the floor, 20 points. Uh, he was actually, he, he had a plus 10 when he was, when he was on the floor. So uh, from that standpoint, he, he was a positive but the issue is you just don't know if you're going to get that consistently. You know, I mean, the last game, for example, he went three for 12 mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, from three and seven of 18. Again, 21 points, but 18 shots to get there. You know, for a guy that the Rockets are clearly going to need um, a lot from, you just don't know if you're going to get it on a consistent basis. And the thing that's frustrating on a three for 12 three point performance is that, you know, Eric Gordon has shown that he can attack and drop to the basket. If you're shooting three for 12, I mean, at one point when you're three for nine, three for 10, I mean, do you realize, okay, I mean, we should mix it up more and start driving, you know, or start to create for others because he can do some of that. Um, I don't really think he's got much trade value personally. This is the first year I think where his new contract extension kicked in. Um, and considering that he's so up and down, I mean, I, I think you might have to give up a draft pick just to get rid of him. You know, personally, I really don't think he's got much value. Now, Tucker is a little bit different. Um, I know before the season started, Tim McMahon was on, I think it was the Hoop Collective with um, Windhorse. And he talked about how, you know, a lot of teams are waiting to see what the Rockets are going to do with P.J. Now, you know, him being on an expiring deal, he's got, I would say, a lot of value for a team that believes that they may be one piece away. Uh, not sure who that is, but at the same token, um, I think that if you get rid of PJ Tucker, obviously him and Harden are tight, they're boys. You don't really know. I mean, what's Harden think about that? Does he factor into that at all? Um, I think that could complicate things, but it is clear though that Tucker is not this season is not, hasn't, I mean, season's still young, granted, right? Mm-hmm. But we do have to go off of what we've seen, we have to, you know, base our uh, analysis of what we've seen and what we've seen from Tucker this year has just not been that good. What are your thoughts? I I definitely agree with both of your thoughts. Um, I, I guess I'll go backwards. When it comes to Tucker, I think that at this point he needs to be coming off the bench. Yes. Um, you know, I don't know if House is going to be that starting solution or if it's going to be Tate. Um, I'm hoping that Tate will grow into that, but it may be a little bit too soon to put him in that spotlight as a starter. But I think it's at the point where Tucker would be valuable for those defensive possessions with less minutes. And if he does start, if he, you know, if it's going to take, you know, if he needs that like mellow period of transitioning to being a, um, you know, off the bench, um, they, Silas needs to sit down with him and, and let him know he's getting his minutes reduced because at this point he is still contributing on defense. I felt like, during that period where the Rockets were able to get to the closest to, you know, at least tying the maps before the maps went on another run and essentially, you know, um, ended the game for the um, ended the game. Tucker was contributing a bit to defense. And I feel like the one thing that hasn't dropped off yet is his defensive ability, but he's not scoring at all. And you can't have someone who is a negative on offense 
um, yeah. night in and night out, out it, as a starter, especially if he's starting for 30 plus minutes. Like if he's doing that for 20 minutes, maybe even like 15, I, I don't think that's probably something he, he'll probably won't um, go down to 15, but definitely like 20 to 25 minutes. If he's doing that, that's completely fine. But for 30 minutes plus, no, that it, that's too much. Yeah, we're at a point where he needs to have his minutes reduced or he needs to be benched. Um, I, maybe both, but definitely the minutes redu- reduction. As for Eric Gordon, um, you're probably right. He doesn't have any trade value, but I mean, we already have a player in Clemens and we'll talk about him a little bit related to another thing in segment three, but um at this point, I wouldn't be upset if he was included in a package to, you know, get, you know, to, you know, move Clemens on. And that included that pick, um, you know, to, because the one thing that Eric Gordon's doing well is his defense. I think he yeah. is the best, um, one of the best wing defenders that the Rockets has are, I guess he's not necessarily a wing, but the best like guard depending yeah, defender. He, he draws, he draws yeah. Wing yeah. Well, I guess he, he does guard like two, three, and then occasionally like the four. Um, yeah. But for the most part, like he, he's a good, you know, um, you know, general wing slash guard defender. And he really does um, covers a lot of that coverage that Harden can't do a lot of times. Um, yeah. So it would definitely be a loss to lose him on that aspect, but I'm just tired of him being so streaky. Like it's just, (laughs) it's at a point where like it, it it would be fine if he, like if he can figure out sometime in the next like five to 10 games to not, you know, I think um, I mentioned this in like some chats as well as that he should only get two times to shoot beyond like two feet um, at the three. Like he constantly goes like halfway downtown to try to, you know, shoot a three. Um, And that is really irresponsible, especially if he's having a cold night. Um, If he, like he should only get like one chance maybe per half. Like that was a suggestion um, someone recommended, but I was saying like once a game, like if he, if he does that once and he misses, then no, that's it. Like yeah. either um, those should, those shots should be replaced with um, him driving to the rim. So, and maybe it's re- remnants of D'Antoni's system and him having to, you know, essentially shoot a lot more threes than, you know, what was used to, but I I hope that either Silas works with him to have him utilize his strength of driving to the rim because I think he's, you know, he's really good at it when he wants to do it, but he tends to sort of, you know, relax and lax himself to get those three-point shots instead of trying to do something different if something is, if the shot isn't falling. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly been, you know, one of the biggest and most most steady frustrations of him. I mean, he feel, I feel like he's always been been like that. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to PJ, not, not to belabor the point here, I, I didn't even realize this, but he's career high in turnovers this season. Um, his three-point attempts are the lowest they've been since he's been with the Rockets. He's only taken two and a half a game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, granted, he, he's making 50% of them, but I mean, last season he almost doubled those attempts. It's like, why? Why is he not taking those shots? You know, tonight he only took one shot for the whole game. You know, um, in 35 minutes he took one shot all game. 
And on a night on a night with the Rockets, I mean the Rockets took um 43s. Why is PGL Tucker, you know, not not shooting more in, in the corner, right? Mm-hmm. Um go ahead. Yeah, I, I think the one thing is that, you know, we mentioned in the first segment how Cousins was out and you know, House was unavailable. Um even be, you know, as a late scratch. And I think that really messed up Silas's rotations. And I, I feel like parts of the game Tucker was playing that, you know, five role that he was sort of doing um, more regularly during um, last season versus this season. And I, I think at this point he, he can't do that reliably. Um and he, you know, Silas, and hopefully once we have our full rotation of players again, the team needs to figure out a way for PJ to be able to contribute better. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, whether whether we get to the point where the, where the Rockets trade him or what would it take? You know, what what I guess what is a litmus test on when we decide, OK, this is it's time to, to do this. Because again, uh, I still think that even though he's you know not been playing up to his standards this season, I, I think he still has value on the league. You can definitely get a draft pick, um, first round draft pick for PJ. Again, him being on an expiring deal that, that that's going to be valuable to a team again that thinks that they're or that believes that they you know they might need another another solid piece. Because because again, PJ off the bench, I mean, it's could still dominate. He's like you say, he's still he's still playing solid defense. Um, the, the concern has been, you know, more so his offense, which which is a little odd because that's not really an area that he is specialized in, right? He's not he's not he's not a scorer, you know. He has he's, he 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 stays in the corner, you know. He he makes his threes, kick out, um, and we have really been seeing that that much this season. So uh, I'd be curious to see, you know, kind of what what happens with that if that changes or not, or if his role, like you said, does become more of a reserve six man. Um, coming off the bench um, for Longsburg, especially when you're trying to, you know, when you need stops that that you you would still be bringing him, you know, in even if he's on, you know, on the bench because you still, you, you know, he's one of the better defenders that we have for sure. Yeah. No, I definitely agree, and I think we probably um, got in too much of the point, but I want to quickly before uh-huh. we end this segment talk about Harden versus Luca and Harden's yeah. injury. Um, I mean, we talked about this before the show, but Harden did not have his best night. Um, he had a bad shooting night. Um, some folks were saying I was didn't necessarily see this, but um, some folks were saying that they could see him limping a bit throughout the game. And Luca really showed you know once again like i i criticize him to a certain extent that folks are you know giving him like potential mvp nods way too early but he definitely showed that he has the potential and he'll will most likely win an mvp relatively soon i mean he had 33 16 and 11 assists, 11 assists yeah i mean that's that's mind-boggling those are Plus 28 yeah so what are your thoughts real quickly about that and Harden? I mean, Luca definitely dominated the matchup. Uh, he didn't have eight turnovers, um, but again, plus 28, 16 boards is crazy, especially mm-hmm. for, you know, I know he's not necessarily a point guard, but 16 rebounds will be impressive, even if Christian Wood got that, you yeah. know. 
So, yeah, he, he definitely dominated the matchup. Harden, uh, it's, safe, it's fair to question if he's at full, full strength or not. I don't really get why he would have – you said this before, but I don't really get why he would have played if he wasn't – if he didn't feel confident. I mean, he, he was a scratch, a late scratch on uh, Saturday, mm-hmm. and the Rockets were just fine. They won that game. You know, um, not that you're going to be able to win every game without Harden, but I'm just saying that, you know, James Harden shouldn't feel the need to – to rush or play through an injury this early in the season, because you know it's it, it's all about. First of all, it's a shortened season. You got you got less time to for that to to heal up and to recover. So I would rather him if he felt there was any kind of doubt. I would rather him not play uh, for the sake of the end game. And it seemed. I mean, I didn't see him limping. I didn't see that, but I saw people saying that he was. Again, if that's the case, then there's no reason for us to to have him push through it this early in the year. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think the one thing we can say is that his assist numbers were, you know, really good considering yeah. um, he had 21 and 10. So yeah. that's not like a unimpressive feat, yeah. but it's definitely been below, you know, the standard that we've seen, even like in the last game or two when it comes to Harden. Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt. But um, I guess speaking of which, in the last segment, we'll talk more about more general Rockets news and get away from this, you know, relatively (laughs) disappointing game, as well as discuss, you know, some things that the Rockets may be able to do to shore up the rotation as they contemplate the results of this game. And we're back in here at the Launchpad podcast presented by our Clutch City Control Room, where we're talking about your Houston Rockets. Uh, in the last segment, we're going to deviate away from the game tonight because we've we, we've had enough misery and heartbreak talking <laughs> about that game. Um, there were a couple uh, news t- tidbits uh, that we want to kind of discuss and how they could impact the Rockets. Uh, one of which was that uh, the NBA announced that they they made some changes to their ten day agreements. Um, did you want to kind of go a little bit more in detail about kind of what those changes were? Yep, for sure. So Bobby Marks was the one who did the analysis on this. So I have to thank him. He's at Bobby Marks 42 for doing that, um, analysis. Basically what is happening is that previously when it came to 10 day contracts via the hardship exception, so the hardship exception, can be triggered if a team has four or more players that are injured at one time and who, um, and they're unavailable for a mixture of either two weeks or for three consecutive games. If those um, are triggered, then a team can request a hardship exception and add a player to their team. Um, previously, if someone was signed for a um, hard or be a hardship ex- exception for a non-guaranteed contract, um, which can start, uh, which normally starts um, tomorrow, so January fifth, they would have to be signed as a non-guaranteed contract. So that non-guarantee is for a veterans exception uh, or a veterans contract. So that's one point six million dollars. But now that the change has been made, you um, they can sign a player for a much smaller uh, amount of money. So compared to one point six million, now teams, if they are eligible for this hardship exception 
options can sign a player for um, 110,000, which is significantly less than what's happening this season. Um, I think the reason for this is, I guess, pretty apparent since we are currently in a um, pandemic still, um, you know, unlike what some people like to um, think we're still in a pandemic and games are playing um, still as, um, as a result. But because of the pandemic, um, there is going to be more and more players. Um, there's one that we'll talk about at the end of this um, at the end of the show um, that's sort of related to this that will be unavailable as a result of you know COVID pro- um, protocols yeah. and procedures. <laughs> so along with that, there's also I mean there's always going to be injuries in the league. We experienced that with um, Chris Clemens, unfortunately, with his yeah. season-ending injury. Yep. So when it comes to not just the normal cadence of injuries that are always unfortunate, but because of the COVID situation, we're going to have more players than usual be susceptible to be unavailable for significant periods of time. And the NBA doesn't want to have, you know, points um i mean i think the rocket situation versus okc was always gonna happen um and losing so many players but they don't want to have instances where teams can't build a team because they don't have the players available and they don't have room to get those players because of hard cap and they're um i haven't i didn't do an exact count but i know that more than 50 percent of the league is hard cap at this point in time. So I guess based on that summary, are there any thoughts that you have about that, Anthony? Yeah. I mean, so uh, it sounds like there's a path that we could be getting the mayor back on our team. <laughs> Gerald Green. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of folks would be happy about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ger- and Gerald looked really good in the uh, preseason as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and what's exciting is that, you know, he really we, we know he really wants to be here. I mean, Gerald Green would die for the city. He's even said that, you know, verbatim that he would die for the city. So um, I think that would be great if we can get him back. We seem that we need we need some more shooting as well. We know he can provide that, um, especially off, off, off the second unit. Um, so that would be really exciting uh, that I, I know that when Clemens went down, it was an unfortunate injury. And I felt bad saying, man, I hate this for Gerald because is not being insensitive to Clemens because he did have a torn Achilles and that's, you know, that's brutal injury to come back from. Uh, but it also seemed like it was like kind of unfair um, that the Rockets had to, in essence, you know, part with Gerald Green because of the hard cap because they had to guarantee Clemens' salary. But it sounds like this is a way that the Rockets could get Green back before uh, we were expecting. Yeah, and I think the other, you know, intriguing point as well um, that – this sort of shows is that the NBA may be willing to make additional concessions throughout the season. Like they usually don't make these type of changes to 10 days and other sort of agreements um, in season. That's usually happens after the season, but maybe because, or as a result of teams being forced to have limited amount of players available on their roster due to, you know, COVID protocols, as well as other issues with so many teams hard capped and not, and teams not being able to, you know, make those usual moves of trading players who may be injured or have other, you know, issues or concerns. Um, the NBA may eventually, you know, make, other avenues available to teams to allow them to, you know, compete to the best of their ability, but not be as um, strung 
or hamstrung to the um, hard cap as usual. Um, but that's just speculation on my part. That's definitely not something that the NBA has announced. Yeah, but I mean, it, I, I think it's good that they at least are, you know, acknowledging and recognizing the need to make this change, you know, um, because again, it, it's, it seemed like something that we could see that something, you know, needed to be done differently. And I'm glad, I'm just glad that they, the league, you know, the league office realized that as well. Mm. Yeah. I think it's really a, a positive move. Like I definitely don't want to see, you know, players get injured. I don't want to see them go into COVID protocols or anything of right. that sort, but I think it's a positive move and it will allow for more players who are currently sitting at home who would like to have an opportunity to play the league. But since there's so little spots because of the hard cap and other issues to, you know, be able to play um, if needed. Yeah. Now, speaking of players sitting at home, uh, we had an interesting uh, player that was uh, determined to have to sit out uh, because of COVID protocol, uh, which we kind of hinted at earlier in the show. Kevin Durant of the Nets, uh, I think he has to sit out for a week, is it? Seven yep, days? Seven days. Seven days because uh, because of COVID. I think, was it COVID tracing? Yeah, the contact tracing came back and he was one of the players. um, I think he was the only player on the Nets, unless I missed it, that was impacted by it. Now, what I found to be interesting, you and I discussed this briefly as well, is that, you know, I didn't see any blowback towards the Nets or towards Katie. Not not saying that that they should have, but it was a much different energy when it was the Rockets, you know, and uh, and Harden especially. You know, the Rockets were getting slandered. How dare these guys? These guys aren't serious. They want to get haircuts. They care more about that than, you know, being out there for a game. You know, we heard a lot of that, but I didn't hear any anything uh, of that of that nature regarding Durant or the Nets. Yeah, and I mean, this also has happened more recently. I, I'm blinking out on the team, but there was another team who recently had some con. Oh, was it the Mavs? Like with no, it was one of the team, um, one other teams where a lot of their um, their team staff was affected by contract tracing because they went out to a dinner um, during the New Year's, um, you know, festivities. Okay. Um, I'm completely blanking out on the team, but um, it didn't affect any players or any personnel. Um, maybe I can find it before the end of the show, but I, I think my sort of Thing is like of course I don't want any team to be impacted by COVID it's going to happen though my issue with folks is that they tend to go to the extremes when it comes to the Rockets and I know that they have you know the Rockets have inherently had um, you know much needed blowback because of issues related okay, so, to Harden so this looks like that was the Clippers Sorry. oh it was the Clippers yeah yeah um, and they were in Utah, right? Yeah. Um, if, yeah. So, um, but um, sorry to the Mavs for alleging any, you know, something <laughs> that hasn't happened. But the Clippers having a ton of their staff unavailable that wasn't like their coaching. Um, so basically, like, you know, maybe PR folks or whoever was in the travel party that wasn't the coaches or the players 
you know, a ton of them had to be isolated because of this. And then now a, you know, a major star, you know, Kevin Durant being impacted. Um, I don't want to see any players be impacted, but at the same time, I'm very frustrated that folks tend to over-exaggerate or get really aggressive about the um, Rockets versus what may happen with other teams. Like, I mean, NBA Twitter is just NBA Twitter. So maybe we should expect that folks are just going to be like borderline slanderous and (laughs) on occasion or um, mostly all the time. But at the very least, I I guess it shows that Adam Silver was um, had the right thought, even though I, I don't I still don't necessarily agree that Harden should have gotten that sort of leeway. But at the yeah. same time, he, I think Adam Silver was proper in not trying to set a complete example for Harden because now there's other players who may be impacted for whatever reason because of COVID. So I, I think the moral of the story is maybe folks shouldn't overreact when it comes to this stuff and wait until you know, whatever happens, happens before trying to, you know, slander the Rockets or any other team. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing I was frustrating, especially about Harden, uh, is that it just seemed like he was just, you know, being reckless, you know, he was going to, you know, larger, let's say larger, um, uh, events, if we will. And he's going to clubs, and you cannot find a mask on not not only him, but I'm, I mean, I, like nobody in any of those photos, you know, um, I think I think one photo I did see Zach Randolph uh, with the with the mask on. Uh, I, I think I did see that. But but yeah, I mean, we don't want you don't want to see anyone, you know, get COVID or anyone be you know affected uh, by that. But it, it was interesting that, you know, there was not anything like the level of venom towards the Rockets. Um, as this uh, net situation with Katie and the Nets, they, they actually had a, a outbreak earlier uh, during the um, break. Um, yeah, they just announced that. I think that was a part of the announcement for Katie is that he actually got it during the summer. The hiatus, yeah, the, yeah, hiatus. So it it seems as though a lot more players have likely gotten COVID as. Um, that was previously reported, but of course the um, NBA didn't have to report anything until games were restarted. So, right, you know, we probably will never know the extent of how many folks in the NBA were impacted personnel wise. Cause of course we know about cat um, and, you know, his family who yeah, unfortunately yeah. was impacted, but when it comes to players, like, of course they have their right to privacy to a certain extent and we're not going to hear if they got affected during, you know, during the break or during, um, you know, outside of the season where they don't have to report that information. Right. For sure. For sure. Now there's one last thing that, that we did have a little bit of a Rockets news today. Daniel house was a late scratch uh, because of a back injury. Um, And Silas was asked after the game, when will he be back? He said he didn't really know. He didn't have a timetable. Uh, What are your thoughts on this and how this might affect our rotations? Yeah, I think it's definitely disappointing. Um, if I recall correctly, House had previous back, you know, spasm slash issues last season um, that forced him to be out a couple of games. I hope that it's not 
becoming a regular occurrence because, you know, back spasm and, and other issues with the back are very scary and dangerous when it comes to the longevity of players. So I definitely hope he gets better soon. As for rotation, like when House is out there, I feel like the Rockets can play really well really well he has shown that he can contribute extremely well um, as a backup as well as a starter so not having him available will hurt our wing rotation and you know his the big rotation although he doesn't necessarily play the five anymore but definitely that you know that tate wagon slash you know formerly the top wagon he was definitely a component in that and losing him will hurt that a lot so i hope that he gets better and recovers as quickly as possible and that he's he is able to be available as soon as feasible for him yeah for sure i mean you know the playroom house has been up and down this season to say the least yep (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, and that seems like that's kind of how how his rocket tenure has been as well he has spurts very sporadic. Sometimes he'll turn on, sometimes, you know, not so much, but you know, him not being out there, I think that should give Tate more minutes, Brown, you know, more minutes in his absence. Those guys have looked really good. So I'd really be curious how much games he misses because I mean, again, the more time he misses, the more, you know, Brown and Tate are shining and are making the argument that they should be getting more playing time. And we haven't even we haven't even obviously been Macklemore's out. You know he hasn't even been out there yet. So we know that once he gets back, he, he's gonna you have to play him a healthy certain minutes because he shot forty percent from three last season. He just shown he can do that, especially I think playing alongside Wall as well. So you know I'm really curious to see what happens with the minutes distribution. But the time that House is out, I think should allow Silas to get a really good you know look at you know. Brown and Tate and, you know, increased, uh, increased workload. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast at. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, and guest voices of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast, covering your Houston Rockets.